Last week we started a series called Hello, uh, Discerning God's Voice in Your Life. And if you recall, last week we talked about this is how you get yourself ready to hear God's voice. He's talking, but we need to be listening. So in any conversation there needs to be kind of give and take. And, And so God is ready to talk. In fact, God is speaking to us. Today we're going to talk about the many ways he communicates. Now, before we do, I'm going to do a public service uh, project for those of you who are northern, who have moved to South Carolina. I know we have some of you northerners here, and we welcome you. Thank you. Um, you uh, often tell me, I can't believe it took us so long to get here, and that's what, we appreciate that. Good, good on you for getting here, yes. But southern people have a unique way of speaking at times that um, might be difficult for you to understand. We use turns of phrase and you don't always get it. And so to help you out, I'm going to give you a little primer on some of the stuff we say and what it means. So one of my favorite ones was from my daddy. If somebody was frugal, really, really frugal, they were said to be tighter than bark on a tree. Now that means really tight. Okay, that's tight. Now, um, if somebody were um, to make a great effort, we would say she's hanging in there like a hair in a biscuit. Now that's really hanging in. If you're hanging in there like a hair in a biscuit, All right. that's really good. Now if you ever hear this expression, handy as a pocket on a shirt, that means that you or, or something is um, handy, uh, you know, kind of uh, useful. So that's a good one. Uh, if you ever hear this, that dog won't hunt. That means that your argument is stupid. All right, so just so you know, we're kind and we don't say that that argument is stupid. We say that dog won't hunt. Now, if you ever hear this one, uh, he's as crooked as a dog's hind leg. That means he's cheating you and you have to know about that. So, crooked, have you ever seen a dog's hind leg? Quite crooked. All right, so if you're crooked as a dog's hind leg, that's really, really crooked. All right, now if you ever hear this one, He's as nervous as a long-tailed cat in a room full of rocking chairs. That means real nervous, all right? We shorten that one, just nervous as a cat. But everybody kind of knows what we're talking about when we say nervous as a cat because that doesn't make any sense. This is the whole expression right here. All right, I think I got one more. Busier than a one-legged cat in a sandbox. Now, I think you probably (laughs) might understand that. All right, that means you're really, really busy. That's, That's awfully busy. God speaks to us, and we have to discern his voice and know how. But there, he does it in multiple ways. Now, he, he, the point is this. The Bible says that God wired us to be able to talk to us. This is really important to understand. And he created us with the ability to tune in to him and talk back. Now, some people who aren't followers of Christ or aren't familiar with you know, God and that kind of thing, this sounds kind of mystical a little bit, like... How can God talk, and why would God talk to you, and that just seems a little weird and creepy. And Get this, God speaking to us is not unusual. In fact, it happens all the time. Look at what it says in Job 33. God does speak sometimes one way and sometimes another, even though people may not understand it. Really important for us to understand that God communicates in different ways. Have you ever gotten a text message and you didn't understand it? Okay, I like to text. In fact, I got, a, I got one from my daughter today that I just did not understand. Uh, it, it just didn't make sense. 
And once she explained it, once I got the context of what she was talking about, it made sense. But sometimes I've, I've had conversations with people that I'm texting and I don't get it and I'll just call them and say, all right, let's, let's try it another way. Because the first way didn't quite work the way I think the other person had hoped or I had hoped. And, and if somebody, sometimes I'll text somebody and they won't understand it and I'll call them and say, okay, let's try it a different way. So God is brilliant. <laughs> He's God. And he knows that sometimes we don't get it this way. So we're going to need to get it this way. One of the greatest ways to communicate is body language. I mean, we, we understand this, that you speak with body language. And a lot of times we don't understand a text because we haven't seen the inflection. And it's hard to, uh, it's hard to, to, to show inflection of our voice and, and what we mean when we text and that kind of thing. So, the Bible tells us that here, that God speaks Sometimes this way and sometimes that way. And he has in his arsenal different ways to communicate with us. It's really important to understand that. Again, let's kind of review last week. In order for us to hear God speak, we have to have an open mind. We have to believe that God will speak to us. We have to have time for God to speak to us. We have to eliminate distractions. And so if I have time, then I also need to make sure I'm not thinking about something else. And then we have to agree with God before he speaks. God Tell me what you want me to do, and I'll do it. And you say that on the front end, even if you don't know what he's going to say. Now, in, in Scripture, there are references to God speaking in some spectacular ways. One time, he spoke from a cloud. Jesus was baptized, and he spoke from a cloud. In the Old Testament, there's a story of God speaking out of a burning bush, and that's kind of amazing. In the Old Testament, there's a story of God speaking through angels, and in the New Testament as well, God speaks through angels sometimes. One time, there's this really kind of quirky story about God speaking through a donkey, and he used the donkey to speak to somebody. Some people today may even think that's still happening. Uh, so you have to understand, God can use various and sundry ways to speak. It's really important to understand he has a lot of, you know, communication strategy in his arsenal. However, today we're going to talk about the four he uses most often. Now, understand, this isn't comprehensive. This isn't the only way he speaks. But I'm going to give you the four that he uses the most. Okay? So, if you have an outline and you want to pull that out, here we go. Number one, God speaks through... The Bible. His number one means of communication is through his word. Look at what it says here in 2 Timothy. All scripture is inspired by God and is useful to teach us what is true and to make us realize what is wrong in our lives. It straightens us out and teaches us to do what is right. Now, I'll, this is a, a really cool verse because it tells us what the purpose of scripture is. It's to teach us what's true. And it's to teach us what's not true. And it's to give us direction on where to go and where not to go. And what to do and what not to do. This is what scripture was given to us for. I mean, that's why God gave it to us. So we would understand better what he wants us to do. What he uh, considers right and wrong. And what we should consider right and wrong as well. There's no other book like it. This is why it's so important to have a time uh, to be... With God, we talked about it last week, make some time in prayer to listen to God, but also you make some time in prayer uh, to read God's Word. Now, personally this year for me, what I want to do is I want to read through the, 
the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. I want to read through them over and over again in 2018. This is what, because I want to know more about Jesus. Kind of in December, I felt like God saying, I'd really like you to study my son. And so the best way to do that is to read his biographies. That's what Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John are, biographies of Jesus, written by four guys who either knew Jesus or knew people who knew Jesus. And so I'm reading through, and I'm going to read through it probably eight times this year, the Gospels, and um, I'm reading two chapters a day. I have a notebook beside me when I read because I want to make sure if God is impressing something on me, I, I want to make sure I write it down so I don't forget it. Because here's what happens. If I'm not reading my Bible, it's like, have you ever had somebody say, I'm trying to call you, but your phone's not on. And you look at your phone and the ringer's off. If you're not reading your Bible, your ringer's off. You're, you're not listening. And remember, last week we talked about, we used the CB illustration, you have to have your ears on. Remember that? And, and I used that great illustration of the great television show, Dukes of Hazard. And uh, uh, Cooter was on the, you know, uh, Cooter and the other... Ooters, uh, who are all part of Dukes of Hazard, and they talked on the CB, and you got to have your ears on. Hey, you know, Chucky Bucky, uh, you got your ears on, and you have to, you have to have, you have to be listening. Well, um, God speaks to us through His Word, but it doesn't do us any good if we don't read His Word. And if you had an important engagement with somebody really important, let's say. You received a phone call this afternoon that said, tomorrow morning at 4 a.m. in Atlanta, the president of the United States, I don't even care what you think about the president, but if the president wanted to meet with you at 4 a.m. tomorrow morning in Atlanta, you'd probably adjust your schedule to make your way to Atlanta because it is an honor to meet the president. I don't care who the president is. So, it's an honor. Okay, well, we have the creator of the universe who speaks to us through his word, and we should make a little time to listen to it. Now, I get this. The Bible is intimidating. I mean, how many books do we have that, you know, they, they're leather-bound? I, I don't have a lot of leather-bound books. I got one, basically. How many books do we know of that they have numbers at the first of every sentence? Not many, you know, not many. And this used to have gold leaf on the side. I mean, it's not a lot of Bible, not a lot of books you get with gold leaf on the side. It can be incredibly intimidating and then you read it and there are places there that you've never heard of you know there there's uh, just uh, places and people Bildad and Abihu and Azamakimu and there are, there are people in here I made that last one up uh, there are people in here that you've never heard of from places you've never heard of and it's intimidating and if you get an old translation there's a whole lot of these and thous and it reads a lot like Shakespeare and it can be intimidating I get that there's no reason to be intimidated by Scripture. I, I was, uh, a couple years ago, I got on the elevator at a hospital. And, and the guy, I'm standing there, you know, you're, you're kind of hoping, have you ever been in a hospital elevator? What do you want to do? Not touch the walls, right? Because that's really, you know it's crawling with germs, don't you? I'm a little bit of a phobe on that. And so I got in and I'm standing there hoping nobody gets on with me because who are the people that get on uh, the elevator in the hospital? Sick people. Yeah, I, I don't really like that. So uh, I got on, and this guy who worked at the hospital rolled this machine on with me. Just me and him and the machine. And it's got tubes, and, and it's got gears, and it's got gauges, and it's got, it's got stuff. I mean, 
it, it had a little screen. It was pretty complex. And I'm trying to strike up conversation. And I said, man, I'd hate to be hooked up to that. You know, I'm a little intimidated by that. I don't even like being on the elevator with it. He said, I'd hate to be hooked up to it, too. It cleans the floors. So, uh, um, <laughs> that's not what you want to be hooked up to. But you can be intimidated by something that really you don't need to be intimidated by. That's kind of the point. And so Scripture, God didn't intend Scripture to intimidate us. He intended it to, to help us. So I'm going to give you some kind of some pointers on some stuff to do. I would advise if you're learning to read the Bible, or even if you've read it a long time, to, to get a modern translation. You understand the Bible was written in Hebrew and in Greek. Two languages that you and I, most of us, don't know how to speak or write. I took classes in seminary, and I can kind of muddle through a little bit, but I like it in English. So I like English, and I like English that I can understand. And so I read it in different translations, but the one I kind of like to teach from is the New International Version or the New Living Translation because that's easier to understand. Now, there are lots of translations. If you go online, you can get um, probably a hundred or so at a place called Bible Gateway. That's a great website I use. In fact, that's what I'm using to read through the Gospels this year. I'm using Bible Gateway. This first part of the year, I'm reading through the um, complete Jewish Bible translation. And in that, they use some Jewish language that I'm not accustomed to. And it's a little difficult, I've I got to admit. It kind of reminds me of how difficult it can be. And so I'll have to look up words because I don't know those words. But that's just me. That's kind of what I want to do. The English Standard Version is a good. There's a, a, a Holman Standard Bible. It's a good tra- There's a lot of good translations out there. So get something modern. Uh, like I said, the, the online resource I use is Bible Gateway. There, there are a couple others. Um, so just... Pick one. I mean, they're, they're, it's there for you. If you have your phones, you can look at it. I mean, it's right there for you. Um, sometimes I use a study Bible. There's an NIV study Bible. There's the Life Application Study Bible. There are different ones. And what those do, they have footnotes. And, and sometimes I'll have a question about, hey, what does this mean? Or what, what was the context of this? And I can look in the footnote. And oftentimes an explanation is there. And that helps me because if I know why Jesus said that or why that happened, it helps me understand the context of the text. Another thing is, I set a time every day. I do, I do it first thing. So I'll get up, I'll get a cup of coffee, and before I do anything else, my time is going to be spent in reading my Bible, unless I have some, something urgent that I have to get to. But other than that, most of the time, my schedule, personal schedule time is to read early in the morning. I'm freshest, I want to give God my best. And so for me, that's how I do it. You, you might be totally different. You might say, well, I'd rather do it at night, or I'd rather do it at lunch. Nobody's saying what time to set. Just set some time. And you might think, well, I don't want to read two chapters. At, you don't have to read two chap- chapters at a time. Read a paragraph at a time. I mean, get a little bit of context, but it doesn't take long to read a paragraph. What I do is I pray before I, I read. Lord, show me what you want to show me. I read it, and I'm hoping he showed me something. And for me, personally, I read, I'm, I'm reading a couple of chapters a day right now, and I'm writing down what he's telling me. That's how I do it. So just so you know, God wants to speak to us. His number one means of communication with us is through his Bible. He took a lot of time inspiring people to write this, so we ought to, to use it. The second way is through 
preachers and teachers. God uses preachers and teachers. Um, like a, ch- a church service. And have you ever felt as you're sitting there, and I've had people say this to me, and it amazes me, by the way. People will say, it was as if you're speaking right to me. And it, it is amazing because I know me, and I know how flawed I am, and I know my own sin and all that. It amazes me that God chooses to use human vessels to speak to people. But look at what it says here. When you heard the word of God from us, you received it not merely as a human word, but as it truly is, God's word, which is at work in you who believe. It's important for us to understand that God speaks to us through through preachers and teachers. And again, nobody's as amazed about that as I am, because I'm just shocked. One of the greatest compliments you get as a pastor is after a sermon, somebody will say to you, there was something that's going on in my life right now. Now, here's what's amazing to me. God knows that. God knows what's going on in your life. And somehow he impresses whoever's speaking to you to communicate a word of encouragement that the person who's preparing the message doesn't even know he's going to say to you. Isn't that cool that God can use us to speak in a way to people that they need it? And you don't even know they need it? Let me, let me show you another verse. In Ephesians 4 it says, And Christ gave gifts to people. He made some to have the work of teaching God's people. So God has intended always to utilize preachers and teachers in helping people discern uh, God's voice or, or to understand what God wants them to do. Um, and here's what's even maybe is equally amazing is God doesn't just use preachers and teachers. He uses all of us. Because you know you've had events in your life where you've given advice and it kind of felt better than you. Like, I didn't know I had that in me. And it's like God spoke through you. And if you're a follower of Christ, sometimes God will speak through you. That's kind of how it works. And in 2 Corinthians it says, We do not speak in words taught by human wisdom, but in words taught by the Spirit, so the Holy Spirit can lead all of us to, to help somebody by speaking words of encouragement that, that are truth. We can speak truth. That's why I don't like to miss church. Even when we go on vacation, I don't miss church. Because what if, what if, what if I missed a Sunday, and the Sunday I missed, God had a word for me from the preacher, and I miss it. I mean, I don't want to miss it. And so if God is going to speak to me, I want to be there to hear it. And so that's kind of, I just, I don't, I just don't miss. And so, now understand, it's not just through preachers. You have to get more than just a half hour sermon on a Sunday morning. If, if you were to fast all week long and then gou- uh, gorge, gouge, gorge on one meal a, a week, we, we have a word for that. It's called indigestion. I mean, some people have spiritual indigestion because they don't get a, a steady diet of God's Word. So sometimes it's through a book. Somebody wrote a book and you're reading that and it's helping you. Or you're hearing something on the way into work. You're listening to something that's helping you uh, get closer to God. God's speaking through not just preachers but also teachers and folks, sometimes on the radio, sometimes in a book. Often through your small group, 
We have a lot of small groups, and we're having sign-ups right now. And if you're not involved in a small group, I would highly encourage you to be a part of one. In February, we're starting a series in here, really talking about why we believe what we believe, and what we believe, and how to defend what we believe as followers of Jesus. We're going to look at something called the Apostles' Creed. It's one of the oldest documents, uh, Christian documents in the world, and it's full of great wisdom on what we believe. And in our small groups, we're going to talk about it every week. And if you're not in one, please get in one. And there, I think, are about 10 options out there for you to get into a small group. And so if you've never done it before, then this is the time. And if you need child care, then we'll talk to us. Talk to my, me and, I, and we'll figure out what we can do to make sure that you're not missing God's voice in your life. Because God not only speaks through his word, but he speaks through each of us, to each of us, through each of us. So, gifted teachers and preachers. Third way is through impressions. Now, this one is a little iffy, so, or, or not iffy, a little sketchy, a little difficult. We're going to talk about that. In fact, next week, we're really going to talk about how can you make sure uh, you understand if the impression is from God or not. So, that's next week. We're really going to d- dig into this, kind of drill down into it. But for today, understand that God, God speaks through impressions. Look at what Jesus said. The Counselor, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things and will remind you of everything I've said to you. Now, look at that verse closely. The Holy Spirit, who the Father sent, will teach you all things and will remind you of everything I've said to you. Here's what that means to me. There are times when I read the Bible, I've read the Bible, and I go off and maybe I I don't feel like it's impacted me much, but God will bring to mind a scripture for me sometime later. I've read it a long time ago, but he brings it to mind. I think that's what he's talking about when he says, and he'll remind you of the things that I've said. So the Holy Spirit um, kind of sparks in us a remembrance of something that that he said a long time or that we read a long time ago. When we have great ideas, I believe all great ideas come from God, whether they're financial ideas or family ideas or business ideas. I think all those things are ideas that come from God because we've been wired. Here's what's cool. We've been, we've been made to receive ideas from God. We've been made to receive ideas from God. So again, there's a little confusion about this. We're going to talk about it for sure. Here's what you have to avoid. Kind of two extremes about thinking about impressions. There are, there's the rationalist approach and there's the mystic approach. Now the rationalist approach would say God never speaks through impressions. He just won't do that. And they kind of, they kind of dismiss anybody who says I, I had this impression from God. They'll dismiss it. No, God, didn't, he, God gave us his word. His word is enough. He doesn't speak to us any other way. That's the rationalist. The mystic claims everything is from God. And, and you see, like back in my day, there, there were televangelists, and, and they would say, you know, the Lord uh, impressed on me. These guys always have bouffant hair and white shoes. For some reason, I don't know how that always worked. Um, the Lord impressed on me that you uh, are to give me a million dollars. Now, I always was real skeptical of that until last night God impressed on me that some of you all are supposed to give me a million dollars. And now, now I feel much more comfortable with it. 
So you have to be careful because not every impression is from God. It's just not. Um, there, there are counterfeits. You know, have you ever seen a counterfeit $7 bill? Well, you haven't because there's not a real $7 bill. Um, people counterfeit what's real. So you might see a counterfeit 20, you might see a counterfeit 100, you never see a counterfeit 7 because there's not a 7. So there are counterfeit people out there who, saying, who, who would say, and, and maybe they believe it, that you know, they've gotten an impression from God. So next week we're going to really, really talk about this. But you have to be careful. Now look at what it says in Job. God speaks in dreams and visions of the night. This is, God can do this. He can. He's not obligated, but he can speak through dreams and visions with deep sleep fall, when deep sleep falls on people and they lie on their bed. He whispers in their ears. He makes them turn from doing wrong and he keeps them from pride. Why would you think that God sometimes speaks to us in our sleep? It's because we're relaxed. It's because we... Now, by the way, I don't think God does this real, real often, but I do think He can speak to us in, in our impressions and in our dreams. I think He can. Scientists will tell you that most often dreams are about we're reorganizing information from the day. That's, that's, scientifically, that's kind of what happens most of the time. But however, understand, God can speak to us through impressions. Now, let me give you a warning. you got to always test the impression. We're going to talk about this a lot next week. You have to test it. Does it match what it says in Scripture? It's always, it has to match. I've heard of men going to their pastor and saying, God told me to leave my wife and kids and run off with an 18-year-old bimbo. I mean, you know, now I've got to tell you something. Here, listen to me. No, he didn't. God didn't impress you to do that. Because God has already said what he thinks about marriage in Scripture. I've had people say to me, well, I know God wants me to be happy, and therefore I'm going to do this, even though I know in Scripture it says this isn't right. Well, God's not going to go against Scripture just to make you happy. See, we have this crazy notion that, that God is more concerned with our happiness than our holiness. And he's not. In fact, Jesus said, be holy like my heavenly Father is holy. Our goal in life needs to be to become as much like Jesus as possible. Not just to fulfill some urges that we might have in the moment. So you have to really be careful with impressions. Because here's what happens. God can speak to us in, in our mind. He has this ability. And that's called inspiration. When God speaks to us, it's inspiration. But, but our enemy also has an ability to speak to us. And that's called temptation. And you have to be able to discern. You have to be wise enough to discern the difference. Let me give you the fourth way God speaks to us. This one is huge. God speaks to us through our pain. Nobody in the room is excited about this one. Because I'm pretty sure none of us really like too much pain. But here's what it's one of the greatest ways God speaks. Because God wants us to change. And sometimes we won't change until we have enough negative stimulus to change. Um, 
let's say you, you're, you're not taking care of your health. And then you go to the doctor, and the doctor says, if you don't change the way you eat, let me scare you, is basically what he said. If you don't change your diet, if you don't change your exercise regimen, if you don't get healthy, then, and then you fill in the blank, you're, you're going to have a stroke, or you're going to have a heart attack, or you're going to die. Or what, and, and those doctors do that. And dentists do it too. Dentists. What do they say? If you don't floss, what's going to happen? Your teeth are going to fall out. Yeah. Now, you want to know when I'm going to start flossing? When my teeth start falling out. But that's, that's just me. That's just me. It's, it's a pain. But, but God uses pain in our lives. Look at what it says here. Sometimes it takes a painful experience to make us change our ways. So Sometimes this is what God uses. Now, I'm a dad. I've got daughters. I love them so much. I don't like it when they experience pain. I have spent much of my life trying to help them avoid pain. But I know this as a dad. Some of the greatest lessons I've ever learned came through pain and painful experiences. I, I, I remember the look on people's faces when I disappoint them. And the pain I've caused them, which then causes me pain, and I know what it feels like to have pain. And while, as a dad, I'm flawed and don't want my kids to go through much pain, what I do understand is sometimes they have to suffer a little bit of pain in order to get to the right place. And I, I'm not even very smart. Can you imagine God, much smarter than us, understands that on occasion... Pain is the best communicator because it gets our attention. C.S. Lewis, one of the most brilliant men who ever walked the planet, one time said, pain insists upon being attended to. If you have pain and it's chronic and it's long enough, you're going to go see about it. Pain, he says, insists upon being attended to. And if I've got a pain in my tooth and it lasts long enough, I will eventually go to the dentist because at some point I've had enough. It insists upon being attended to. God whispers to us in our pleasure. He speaks to us in our conscience, but he shouts to us in our pain. And it is his megaphone to rouse a deaf world. God has used pain in the lives of great men and women. In fact, I would, I would argue it's hard to find anyone in Scripture, and there may not be anyone, that God didn't use in a mighty way in Scripture who He didn't first um, allow to go through pain. Let me give you some examples. Joseph, one of the great um, men of, of the Old Testament, found in Genesis. He was betrayed by his brothers, sold into slavery, was um, falsely accused of rape, was imprisoned, twice, was uh, uh, kind of left to, to, to rot in a, in a prison, and, and yet he became one of the greatest men in the history of the world. He suffered pain to get to a certain place. Moses. Moses uh, was raised by the Pharaoh, but he wanted to be kind of one with his Jewish brothers, and he killed one of the Egyptians, and the Israelites turned on him. And so, while he thought he was doing something noble by killing an Egyptian, he wasn't doing anything noble. He was kind of going against God's will. And he had to flee 
into exile, and he spent 40 years away from his people. Um, That's pain. Think about David. David was a man after God's own heart, but he understood what it was like to suffer. And he lost a, a child, and he was humiliated publicly for uh, committing adultery. He understood what it was like to experience pain. You have Ruth in the Old Testament, and, and that, this is pain she didn't even cause. Her, her husband died when she was very young. It says that Paul had a thorn in the flesh. Nobody exactly knows what that is, but he said, I prayed for it to be taken away, and God said, my grace is sufficient. And Paul, who was likely uh, the strongest Christian who ever walked the planet, was not exempt from pain. And the apostles, every apostle, suffered for their belief in Christ. And then you have Jesus. He... He certainly understood what it was like to suffer. He was betrayed. He was beaten. He was crucified. On the cross, he says, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? I don't know that there's ever been anyone who experienced more pain. It is as if pain is a prerequisite to being used greatly by God. Because this is what I see over and over in Scripture. The Bible talks about, look at this verse. The Bible talks about a potter and God being a potter for us. A potter has the right to do whatever he wants with the clay. He can make something for a special occasion or something for everyday use from the same lump of clay. And he talks a little bit, the Bible talks a little bit about God being a potter and we are the clay. And how does the potter get the clay into the shape he wants it to be in? He applies strategic pressure. Sometimes God has to apply strategic pressure. I'm not a big poem guy, but I found a little poem I like. And if you don't mind, if you'll indulge me, let me, um, let me read this for you. There once was an oyster whose story I tell, who found that sand had gotten under his shell. Just one little grain, but it gave him such pain, for oysters have feelings, although they're so plain. Now, did he berate the working of fate? which had led him to such a deplorable state? Did he blame the government or call for an election? No, he quieted himself for a time of reflection. As he lay there on the shelf, he said to himself, if I cannot remove it, I'll try to improve it. So the years rolled by as the years always do, and he came to his ultimate destiny, oyster stew. And this small grain of sand which had bothered him so was a beautiful pearl, all richly aglow. Now this tale has a moral, for, it's, for isn't it grand when an oyster, what an oyster can do with a morsel of sand? What could we do if we'd only begin with all of the things that get under our skin? Friends, I don't think all pain is from God, but I do think some pain is from God. And I think all pain can be a lesson. We can learn a lesson from, from everything that we experience. I, I had a good, good friend, and I think I've told you this before, but he went through a very painful divorce, and he was struggling. He said for weeks he just didn't want to get out of bed. And there was a moment in time where he prayed. He said, God, teach me everything you want to teach me in this moment in my life because I never want to go through this valley again. And that's a sign of maturity. Teach me, God, whatever, whatever I'm going through now, 
this pain that I'm going through now, whatever it is, you teach me everything. Even if I didn't cause it, teach me through this. Quick review. God speaks to us through His Word, through gifted teachers and preachers, through impressions, and through pain. Now, understand this. Being able to hear God's voice is an indication of the quality of relationship with Him. Because here's the deal. Jesus said, my sheep listen to my voice, I know them, and they follow me. There's a difference between knowing about God and knowing God. There's a guy that comes to my house six days a week. He sometimes brings us gifts. He is there, I've had conversations with him, I know about him. He's our mailman. Uh, He's a nice guy. I kind of know what he does, but I don't really know him. I know about him. I know about his line of work, but I really don't know him. We're not in a relationship. You can know about God and not really know him. And here's the struggle for us if we're not careful. We might not be hearing God's voice because we're not in relationship. Here's the good news. Or you might not be hearing God's voice because you're not listening. The good news about both those things, I'm not hearing God's voice because I'm not listening. I'm not hearing God's voice because I'm not in relationship with Him. The greatest news you're going to hear today is you can change both those situations. You can start listening. And if you're not in relationship with Him, you can begin a relationship with Him. In fact, in just a moment, we're going to be, I'm, I'm, I'm about to wrap up and we're going to take an offering and all that. But if you're not in relationship with the Lord, you know about Him, but you really don't know Him. I'll be happy to chat with you about that. I'm going to stand right there. After the service is over, I'm going to be right there. You can come. We'll hang out. We'll chat about it if you'd like. See, it is imperative that we listen to God's voice. And it's imperative that we understand God is speaking to us. And as He speaks, if we're receptive, we can hear what He has to say. Father, we thank you that you care enough about us to tell us what to do and how to do it and that you can guide us. And I pray, Father, that you would give us wisdom to hear your voice. Thank you for communicating with us. We ask that we would hear it and that we would do it, that we would be receptive. And we thank you that you love us so much that you keep talking to us. Lord, we love you and I pray that you would um, allow this message to penetrate our hearts and help us to discern and understand better how you and and we can have a relationship with one another. We pray it in Jesus' name. Amen.